Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk, presented by JAG Physical Therapy. Thank you so very much for your company. Well, Seton Hall's winning streak ended on Saturday with a triple OT loss to nationally ranked Creighton in what was a tremendous college basketball game. Back and forth, runs for each team, some controversial calls, and outstanding individual performances from both sides, with the Hall led by Kadari Richmond, who had another brilliant game. He finished with a triple-double, the first such feat in over 20 years at Seton Hall, as Richmond poured in 21 points, grabbed 11 rebounds, and had 11 assists while playing over 50 minutes. Other than the outcome, which ended Seton Hall's winning streak at five, you couldn't ask for much more. As head coach Shaheen Holloway said after the game, quote, I'm very sour right now, but that was a hell of a basketball game. The Pirates' second conference loss of the season leaves them at 13-6 overall, 6-2 in the Big East, one game behind frontrunner UConn as we get closer to the halfway point of the conference season. The Pirates received more votes in the AP College Basketball Top 25 poll this week than last, but still couldn't crack the top 25, although they finished just outside at 26th. So now the focus turns to Providence University, a team Seton Hall defeated earlier this season on the road. In that game, the Friars lost their top player, Bryce Hopkins, who suffered an injury and who is now out for the remainder of the season following knee surgery. Wednesday night, the two teams square off at Prudential Center in a 6.30 p.m. start in what is a crucial game for Seton Hall as it looks to keep its mojo going before it heads out on the road for its next two games. To preview the Providence game and to talk more about this surprising Pirates team is Adam Zagoria of NJ.com, who will join me on the show after this message from our sponsor, JAG Physical Therapy. A proud sponsor of Seton Hall Athletics, JAG One Physical Therapy gets you back to the life you love. Voted the number one physical therapy company based on first-class patient care and outcomes, JAG One Physical Therapy is invested in your full recovery. Your preferred in-network rehabilitation provider, JAG One Physical Therapy, has convenient locations throughout New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.jag1pt.com. Adam Zagoria, thanks very much for giving me some of your time. You've always been a friend of the show. I greatly appreciate it. We get a chance to sit next to each other at Seton Hall Games, and it's it's been a pleasure to get to know you over these past few years. And again, thanks very much for your time. Always great to be with you, Matt. Look forward to sitting next to you at the games and, and getting a chance to talk more now. So how good is Seton Hall? We're not quite at the halfway point of the Big East conference schedule, but pretty close. How good are they? Yeah, well, it's a couple things. I would say, first of all, they need to take care of business here. Uh, they're an NCAA tournament team right now, to answer your question, which, you know, going into the season, uh, I'm not sure, you know, a lot of people thought they were. I think people had a lot of questions about the team Shaheen had assembled and especially the front court. Um, you know, I, they're an NCAA tournament team right now. They're anywhere from like, a, you know, seven, eight, nine seed on, on most of the mock brackets. I do think they need to take care of business here, especially in the next couple of weeks. You know, they're coming off this tough triple overtime loss to Creighton. They, they have to win this Providence game at home on Wednesday. Um, and then, you know, going to Marquette Saturday, I think will be tough. You can't count that as a win. And then they're going to have to win the Georgetown game 
uh, at home next week. So I, th- I think they got to go two and one here in these next three games. Well, there's always a challenge in the Big East, and it's really uh, what have you done for me lately, league? It's it's like forget about Saturday triple overtime, exciting national audience. Even though you lost to Creighton, uh, open some people's eyes. Hey, it's what are you going to do against Providence next, and and then beyond. Uh, what's been the biggest surprise for you this season about what Seton Hall's been able to accomplish? I mean, you know, I have to say, like, we all knew Kadari Richmond was a was a really good player, um, and we've seen him do it, you know, here and there. He had he had a game against UConn, you know, a couple of years ago where he had twenty seven, but his consistency, Matt, you know, game in and game out. Uh, has just really impressed me. You know, I, I tweeted the stats in a five or six game stretch where, you know, every game it's like, you know, 15, 18, 20, 24 points. And, you know, he's always got a, a six or eight rebounds and five or six assists. Um, and he's a six, six point guard who really presents mismatch problems. You know, he's probably their best low post offensive player a, as a point guard. And, you know, you've been in the press conferences with us and, you know, every opposing coach that's come through there, you know, Shaka Smart, uh, you know, Steve Massiello, all the opposing coaches have said, you know, Kadari's a handful and, and a mismatch. So, um, you know, obviously got hurt last year in the UConn game in February. They were sort of a borderline NCAA team at that point. And after he went out, you know, their tournament hopes crumbled. So, um, you know, if they can keep him healthy the whole year, you know, that's the key. If if anything happens to him, um, you know, they're going to be in real trouble. Well, they don't have much depth, and he clearly is their best player coming off a triple-double against Creighton in the loss uh, to the Blue Jays. Why now for Kadari? Because I think a lot of people, as you said, a lot of people saw the physical skills, didn't really put it together. Maybe it had something to do with being hurt, as you pointed out, but what is your thought as to why this is the moment when he has put it all together? Yeah. I mean, he looks, look, he looks like he's in better shape. He's obviously, um, you know, thinner and more cut and more fit um, this year. I'm sure that helps his, his overall conditioning. And um, you know, it's his senior year. I think he's uh, thinking a little bit in the back of his mind about his future. And, you know, maybe he, if he doesn't get drafted in the NBA draft, he signs as a, free agent maybe he's a g league type of guy or uh you know maybe he plays overseas or whatever but you know he is sort of playing for his financial future and he wants to he wants to do well for himself but it's also his last college year and i think he wants to you know do as well as he can and lead seton hall as far as he can i also think also think the general you know vibe on the team matt is a lot better overall it's it's shaheen's second year um, you can see he's got a really good rapport with his key guys, Kadari, Alamir Dawes, uh, Dre Davis, and, and Dylan. You know, they, they look at him in the eye during practice, during timeouts. They're all on the same page. They're all obviously playing Shaheen Holloway type of basketball, you know, tough, gritty, defensive-oriented stuff. They all, you know, the press conferences we hear, they all they never say anything that's like a bulletin board headline type material they're all just you know we want to play Seton Hall basketball and we're looking forward to the next game so they've obviously bought into Shaheen's uh vision there and they seem to be a team that likes each other Uh, you know as much as I follow them and as 
much as I go to as many games as I can, you know, I'm not there on a daily basis and perhaps don't have as much insight as, say, you do. But last year, and I know it was his first year, and it were players he didn't recruit, and he had to learn a lot, Shaheen did, about Big East head coaching. But, boy, that team at times, it looked like it, they would go to separate corners in a room if they had the choice. This this team just seems to to understand it. Maybe there's been a breakthrough in how he approaches things. They get it. They understand what he wants, and they understand that he's got it, their backs. But uh, it, it's a different team from a cohesion standpoint, it looks. And maybe winning helps all that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're 100% spot on there, Matt. And look, last year, only Casey and Defo, who transferred uh, from St. Peter's to Seton Hall with uh, Shaheen, you know, he was the only one who really knew what Shaw wanted and had, had played under Shaw. Now you got all these guys who have been with him for multiple years, you know, obviously, except for a couple of the transfers. And I think, um, you know, Shaheen is really, you got to give him credit for the guys he targeted in the portal. You know, not all of them have, have been stars. You know, some of them aren't really in the rotation, but guys like Betty Ako and Dylan Adewusu, you know, really have helped the team. And, and Shaw knew he wanted these guys and he sold them on the vision of, you know, you can come here and, you know, make a real difference and get us to the tournament. And as Steve Massiello, who filled in for Rick Pitino in the St. John's game when Pitino was out with COVID, he said afterward, you know, there's no one who recruits more for his situation. Uh, that's not a quote, but basically than Shaheen Holloway. He he targets who he wants. He knows how he's a coach. He knows what he demands of the players. And and he's gone out and, and gotten those guys. He's also got a veteran team. I mean, this is a team that's older than most. How much does that impact and will it impact moving forward as the games get more important and the pressure increases? Yeah, it is pretty crazy, right? Just the overall age of college basketball. I was watching the North Carolina Wake Forest game the other day and Last night, you know, Cormac Ryan from North Carolina is 25 years old <laughs> and he, he's in his, you know, sixth year of college basketball. So, you know, that's increasingly common in college hoops now with the guys getting the COVID year and the fifth year with the transfer, uh, fifth year of eligibility. So, yeah, he's definitely got an older team. And, you know, it sort of begs the question like, you know, I don't want to get too into the whole NIL thing here, but. Uh, you know, if Shaheen w did have a team with a bunch of like kind of five-star guys and really, you know, high level transfers, you know, you, you kind of wonder like, wow, how good could they even be then? Or, you know, how good of a, a coach would he be, um, you know, with that type of team? But, you know, that being said, you know, Seton Hall has traditionally gotten sort of the three and four-star guys that Kevin Willard and now Shaheen coach up. And, um, you know, also older transfers. And then, you know, he's going to have to sort of, like every coach, retool this this roster next year because you're going to lose a bunch of these guys. So I, I think they have the the mentality that, you know, we're here for, for this last year, a lot of them, and, and they want to do as well as they can. And that might be the future of Seton Hall and many teams throughout the college landscape. I mean, they could put their eggs in one basket and focus on one highly regarded, you know, top 20 recruit and land him, but can they keep him? And that's the constant battle. I think of Rutgers. I mean, wonderful job that Peichel's done for next year's class, but then the pressure is, can you keep those 
two guys. You know, can you keep Harper? Can you keep Bailey? And maybe for a team like Seton Hall, it's like, let me get the veteran guys. I know who I want, guys who want to extend their careers. And like you said, you know, in their last year or two, they want to play in the Big East and and have a shot at national TV and all that sort of stuff. It really has changed the thought process of how coaches have to approach their recruiting anymore when everyone wanted to get the high school kid. Now I think you're getting a lot of coaches who say, you know what, let me see what's out there and let me grab the cream of, of the crop as I see it. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, unless you are a five-star guy, like a, you know, Cooper flag or a Dylan Harper or Ace Bailey, you know, those guys are always going to be recruited to colleges and, and have their chance to go to college. But, you know, I cover a lot of recruiting stuff and a lot of high school stuff. And, you know, if you're the sixth, seventh, eighth guy on a high school roster now, you're not getting as many offers and as much attention from college coaches because they say, hey, I could get a 19, 20, 22-year-old grown man in the portal, you know, as opposed to a 17, 18-year-old kid who's going to take a couple of years to develop, um, you know, physically. Again, unless it's unless it's Cooper Flag or, or Dylan Harper or something. Um, but you know, getting back to Seton Hall, I, I again, I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. I mean, they beat they beat UConn Matt by 15 points. <laughs> you know, UConn has lost two games since last March 10th. One was to Kansas that I was at at Allen Fieldhouse, and then one to Seton Hall. Nobody could have seen that coming. You know, then they followed that up with the wins over at Providence and against Marquette, and. In each of those games, you've had, you know, three, four, five guys really excel offensively. So that's also been a key that in addition to Kadari and Al and Dre, who are kind of the big three, you've had different games where Bediaco, Elijah Hutchins, um, Dylan, you know, Isaiah Coleman sometimes all step up. And that's what they're going to need, you know, I think to, to win more games. I'm going to get back to Seton Hall and their game against Providence in just a moment, but you mentioned Allen Fieldhouse. I know you were so excited to get there and experience what a game played there is like. Can you share that with the audience? Yeah, I'm really glad I went down there. You know, it's it's long been considered kind of a bucket list for, item for me. It's it's the best college environment out there. I've been to Rupp Arena, Kentucky, and Cameron at Duke. But Allen Fieldhouse is just incredible. You know, it's there's no there's no suites or anything, so it's all sort of just a one level bowl of a field house. And there's so much history there, and um, the crowd was electric for the game. And you know, UConn and Kansas fans were out at the bars, kind of peacefully coexisting before <laughs> the game, and you know, then they went out afterwards. And you know, it's just a real college town, like like out of Hoosiers or out of a movie, if you imagined you know, the best of college basketball. Uh, just one of the classic iconic buildings in college hoops. So, uh, by the way, for those who are listening and don't know, and I can't imagine many who follow Seton Hall don't know, but you can follow uh, Adam through his work for NJ.com, but also on the uh, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter called X now, and he his handle is at Adam Zagoria. Not just Seton Hall, but the recruiting scene, Tennis, you're 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 a renaissance man when it comes to sports. You do a little bit of everything. <laughs> this is a this is a busy time of year, Matt, because I gotta get up at five in the morning or stay up late to watch the Australian Open tennis, which is which is a lot of fun. Yeah, indeed. So uh two Seton Hall's game against Providence. Uh they beat Providence earlier. Uh Hopkins 
gets hurt in that game for the Friars. He's done for the season. They went on a, a tailspin, although they come off a big win against DePaul. They, they kind of, not kind of, they did blow uh, DePaul out of the building. So what, what are the challenges facing Seton Hall? Yeah, I mean, again, this is a game they have to win. You know, you cannot lose to a Providence team at home that is without Bryce Hopkins, who, you know, was one of the better players in the Big East. Kentucky transfer towards ACL in that last Seton Hall game. So, um, you know, they still have some some really tough tough weapons there. But, um, you know, I, I think I think Shaheen will have them ready, and, and they got to win that game because I'm not sure they're gonna they're gonna get that Marquette game on Saturday. Well, you know, certainly it's uh, Marquette's going to have revenge on its mind and and on the road and all that sort of stuff. And we forget, you know, I, because of what I do, I call it, I cover professional sports for the most part. And it's a, it's a different athlete altogether. Uh, although, uh, the, the devils have plenty of young guys too, but you know, we're, we're talking about college kids. We're talking about young guys, uh, running, uh, even though it's a veteran team in many ways and an older team, you know, that they run the gamut of emotions and, you know, it's not easy to sustain that high level all the time. And so Providence does become an interesting game right off the the, the loss that ends the winning streak. And now you, you got to grab it at home if you want to maintain uh, the momentum. So we'll see how Seton Hall responds both physically and emotionally. Where do they wind up? Do they get a, a finish in the top three, do you think? Do they get a, an opening by or, you know, re, reality will start to set in? I mean, they've got UConn on the road coming up, and you mentioned Marquette. They've got uh, Creighton. So it's it's not an easy schedule uh, the rest of the way. Where, where does Seton Hall end up? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when once you start six and one, that, you know, you're thinking, hey, you know, I'm sure Shaheen would never admit this, and he's thinking one game at a time, but you know, as the fans and, and reporters who cover the team, once you start six and one, you're thinking, okay, you know, this team has a chance to finish in the top, you know, three, I would think, right. Mm -hmm. Three or four, um, you know, traditionally you go 10 and 10, say in the big East, you're going to make the NCAA tournament and um, you're safe, but you know, they've got, they have some games. You, you probably pencil in as losses right now, like the game at Marquette, you know, they still have to go, to UConn, um, but you know they're gonna they're gonna have games that they can win, like you know home games with with Georgetown and and Providence. That's you know that gives them eight wins. You know they're gonna have to go to St. John's, which is a game at UBS Arena. That you know maybe you say St. John's is a is a favorite because it's an away game, but you know they beat them pretty handily, so that's a game they could win. So I think you know they could they could try to win you know twelve. 13 games, you know, in the league, um, and still lose a few. And then you're, you know, then you're in the upper echelon of the, of the big East tournament. And you know what? I mean, that, that picture, you can see it happening. You can see it playing out if they perform on the court, but yeah, you know, they've got Villanova still and listen, there's some big games ahead for Seton hall, but if they can get that by, it just, it doesn't guarantee anything. Look, if, if they win 12 games in the big East, they're going to the tournament. It's just a matter of where they they'll be seated. If they can get that by, it gives them a greater chance, rest the body, so on and so forth. One less game at that point of the season is not a bad thing. You can gain some momentum if you win that first game and carry it through. So I get that also, but I, I think re reality says get the by, see who you play, and then and then move on to March, which is a phenomenal story if that happens for Seton Hall, for a club that, as we discussed at the beginning, most people thought NIT at best. 
last couple and we'll let you go, Adam. Uh, the development of the bench, he, he, he really relies on his five guys. And eventually, that can force you to pay a price. There are some guys, and you talked about them, who have contributed coming off the bench a, a little more and more. Is that a focus for Shaheen, do you think, the rest of the way? Like, I got to find out what I have here. God forbid an injury, but more so I can just give my guys a little rest here. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point about, you know, playing as starters. I mean, you know, Kadari seems to get banged up, you know, in almost every game. And, you know, he was a little banged up at the end of the Creighton game and didn't come to the press conference. So we didn't get to talk to him. You know, Shaheen said he's hoped he was okay and he'd have a few days. But, you know, God help them, you know, if something serious happens to Kadari because, you know, then, like we said, I think it's all over. Um, but, yeah, he's he's obviously trying to, you know, he's obviously very high on Isaiah Coleman, who's really talented, was a four-star recruit that they got. He's given him a lot of uh, playing time. You know, David Tubek. Missed some time early in the season with an injury, but he's, you know, Shaheen gets him in there and he's, he's shown some stretches. Um, you know, Elijah Hutchins Everett, Everett's a guy who's got a few years eligibility still left. He had that one game, 14.7 rebounds uh, against St. John's. And that to me really, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he hadn't had more than six points in any game. Um, you know, he's a 6'10, 6'11 dude who should be able to score eight, 10, 12 points a game on, you know, layups and dunks and, and rim runs and stuff. Um, you know, obviously Sada and, and Ganga is probably, is, seems to be out of the rotation. Um, you know, Jaquan Sanders has, hasn't really done a whole lot. He's battled some injuries and I think, you know, been a little bit of a disappointment. So in an ideal situation, if you get Sanders and, um, you know, Elijah and some of these guys contributing more consistently, then, you know, you really have a bright future next year, but I'm sure Shaheen is, is thinking ahead a little bit to, to next season. Yeah, he, he certainly is. But uh, the focus is on Providence. Last one, we let you go national picture. What are you seeing halfway through the season, halfway through the conference seasons? Yeah. I mean, I think it's good. You know, the, the blue bloods are kind of back, Matt, you know, North Carolina looks really impressive. You know, Kentucky's coming on strong with a couple of the Jersey kids and DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw, you know, Kansas is really good. And, you know, last year was a year where all those blue bloods were out of the tournament, you know, by the second round. And we had sort of this weird final four with San Diego state and, and Miami. Um, you know, that was, that was good basketball, but it sort of lost a lot of the casual fans because you didn't have the, didn't have the big brand names. So I think it's, it's good and healthy for college basketball that the blue bloods are doing well. It's good and healthy for the big East that you've got, you know, Rick Patino back in the league injecting, you know, he's got a little rivalry going with, with Danny Hurley at UConn <laughs> and trying to get the, trying to get the UConn game played at Karnaseka arena next season instead of the garden, you know, and for a guy like me, anytime Danny or, or Rick, you know, speaks or says something, it's, it's almost always the headline or, or bulletin board material. So you know, it's good for the Big East to have St. John's uh, and UConn and Seton Hall and these teams with these coaches that are well-known um, do well. So I think college basketball is in a healthy place, and hopefully the Big East puts, you know, six or seven teams in the tournament, and you're going to have at least two or three teams from the Big East, UConn, Creighton, and Marquette that are threats to go deep. And, 
you know, maybe Seton Hall can make some noise too. Well, that would be an amazing season uh, conclusion for the Hall if they can get into the tournament and make a little noise given what the expectations were. Adam, thanks so much for your time. We'll see you down the road. And uh, we do appreciate your insights. And again, you can follow Adam at uh, nj.com, uh, of course, on X at Adam Zagoria. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Take care. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk presented by JAG Physical Therapy. The Big East is the big beast, as we know. Nothing can be assumed. No wins can be guaranteed. So the Pirates will have to show up on Wednesday night. If they do, there's no reason why they can't get back on the winning track. It will be intriguing to see who leads the team. Kadari Richmond is the unquestioned leader, but perhaps he'll take a backseat against Providence to Alamir Dawes or Dre Davis. Maybe it will be Dylan Adewusu or Jaden Bediaco, or perhaps it will be someone off the bench. Head coach Shaheen Holloway doesn't have a very deep squad, but he does have a very talented club. This team start is no fluke. They'll have another chance to convince any doubters on Wednesday night. Stick taps, as they say in the hockey world, to my good friend Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the show and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. His work on the show is invaluable and very much cherished. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, treat each other kindly. Stay safe, be well, and go Pirates! Pirates!